0: and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centred, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonahome and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Matthew chapter 2, verse one, when you've got it, can I have a good amen. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi, that is, the wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Bethlehem, Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who would shepherd. Excuse me, who will shepherd my people Israel? Can you say Amen? amen. Then Herod called the magi secretly. And found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully excuse me, for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Let's go to verse 12. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, that is the wise men, They returned to their country by another route. Verse 13, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape. Flee to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Skip a couple of verses, let's go to verse 16. When Herod realised that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. During COVID, I decided to pick up a unit at university. I don't have a lot of time on my hands, but COVID gave us all a little bit of an expression to do certain things that we wouldn't normally do. Uh, Alison helped with my application. Uh, It's been a while since I've studied, even though I look 25. (laughs) And, um, And I picked up, Uh, university subject. And of course, uh, my passion, my desire is in the arena of leadership. And so I decided not to go down the route of uh, perhaps uh, Christian studies. I wanted to hear leadership from secular perspective. And I wanted to hear how they talk about leadership, what they think about leadership. As part of the unit, a core component of it is around the study of power and how power affects people, how it affects leaders. Of course, you know the saying that power corrupts and absolute power absolutely, come on, you know the saying, absolutely corrupts. And it's true that when leaders have power without accountability, it's dangerous. However, we see in the life of Jesus Christ, who had all power, He was perfectly balanced in that He had all power, yet He was the servant of humanity. Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many, so we have a man who has absolute power but is the epitome or the embodiment of servanthood all at the same time. We've read a story in the Word of God this morning about a man who had power, a lot of power, so much power that he was unaccountable to anybody, And this power corrupted him. The person that we're talking about this morning is, of course, Herod. I don't know if you've ever heard in the Christmas narrative. Come on, stay with me, church. I don't know if you've ever heard in the Christmas narrative a sermon on Herod. But this morning we are going to hear a message about Herod and what the Word of God teaches us because what I've come to discover is that you cannot truly appreciate the Christmas story unless you actually have an understanding of Herod and his part that he played in the narrative. Herod was brutal. In fact, we could call him a paranoid, notorious and complicated man who permitted no one to interfere with his rule. Herod was so corrupt, we know that he was a murderer. History tells us that he murdered his own wife to stay in power. He murdered his wife's two brothers and he murdered his three sons just so he could stay in power. Herod is central to the Christmas story. And in fact, he's mentioned 12 times in 12 verses in Matthew chapter two. Herod was known as Herod the Great. The reason he was known as Herod the Great is because everything that he did was considered great. He did nothing in half measure. For example, if you go to Israel today and you do a tour, most of the buildings and the uh, the ancient buildings that you see were actually built by Herod the Great. They stand to this day. It's a little bit like going to Texas and in Texas there's a saying which which says everything is bigger in Texas. Uh, Having been to Texas myself, Allison. Myself, Tori and Wade. Wade was playing in a basketball competition in San Antonio. So we drove from Dallas all the way down to San Antonio. And you come to realise that it is true. Everything is bigger in Texas. Herod had a passion to be known as somebody who was great. And he did everything in his power to be called Herod the great. In conversation, people would not refer to him as Herod. They would refer to him as Herod, the great. And in the Christmas narrative comes wise men who are searching for the true king, for the true great king. Word gets to Herod that there are wise men who've come and they've asked the question, where is the King of the Jews? The problem for Herod is that he considered himself to be the King of the Jews. This now was a threat to his power. And in Matthew chapter 2, verse two, it says, and asked, where is the one who has been born? That is the Magi, they're asking the question, where is the one who has been born? king of the Jews. The problem for Herod is that the Jews believed that at some point a Messiah would be born through the Davidic line, which would mean that he truly is the king. Herod was king through his authority and through murderous power. And he considered that if another king was to come, the Jews would rally around this king and his authority, his power, would now be in jeopardy. Herod's reaction to these wise men looks like a, uh, you could call it frantic damage control. Calls together the wise men or uh, the chief priests and the teachers of the law of the day, and he wants a crash course in Bible messianic prophecy. And he started with the most basic question. And he says to these chief priests and teachers of the law, where was the Messiah to be born? Because if he knows where the Messiah, come on church, where the Messiah would be born, then he could preempt any potential threat to his power and kill the child. Herod is furious. Human life means nothing to this man and he must do all he possibly can to hold on tightly to the reins of power and brutally and barbarically remove anyone who gets in his way. Verse three tells us, it shows you the nature of this man where it says when King Herod heard this, he was, watch this, disturbed, all he heard was a word that there was another king and he was disturbed. The Greek word that's used there for the word disturbed literally means to strike one's spirit with fear and dread. He wanted to do everything he could to hold on to power. He struck with fear and dread because there's conversation of another king. Watch the second part of the verse. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Watch this, and all Jerusalem. Because when Herod was disturbed, he went on a war path to kill people because the king was unhappy. Herod knew that the Jews were looking for a Messiah. And one day God would send a king who would reign over all of Israel. Now, we must remember a little bit of context as to which stage of life Herod is actually at at this point in time. And at the birth of Jesus Christ, Herod in fact now was an old man who had subdued kingdoms and all of his foes were under him. And Herod had gotten himself to a place as a psychopath leader where he was ready to die triumphantly. And now at the latter part of his life, there's talk of another king. And he must do something about this. No time to rest. One more person to kill. Matthew chapter 2, verse four says, again, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of all Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So Herod comes up with a master plan. The master plan is to call the wise men to himself, asked the question where the king was to be born. And he said to them in verse seven and eight, when you find this new king, come back to me, tell me where he is so that I too may actually go and worship him. Now, we know that that was not Herod's intention, was it? All he was trying to do was find out where this child is so he could destroy the child in order to reign and rule in power and hold on triumphantly to all that he had achieved in his life. You know the rest of the story. The star miraculously leads the wise men to the exact house where Jesus, the manger where Jesus was born. The wise men come, they bow down, they worship him, They present gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And just before the Magi step off the pages of Scripture, they have a dream, and the Lord warns them not to go back to Herod, but to return to their country through another route. The wise men go east. Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus flee towards Egypt. And in verse 16, it says that when Herod realised that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. Come on, this is gonna land today. You gotta stay with me now. So Herod then does the unthinkable and he gives an order that all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity... Who were two years old and under, uh, in, in accordance with the time they had learned from the Magi, must be killed. And this psychopath leader with absolute power goes on a rampage to destroy the lives of innocent children. The wise men are heading in a direction to escape. Mary and Joseph are heading in their direction to escape, to protect their son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now imagine Herod for a moment. This is all happening, he doesn't care. He's destroyed the life of his wife, his brothers, her brothers. He doesn't care, this man has no feeling. And there he is back in Jerusalem, leaning back on his couch. hears the news of all the boys being killed. He can now rest because he has killed his last foe. Or at least he thinks he has. And in verse 19 of Matthew chapter two, it says, after, watch this, Herod died. An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. Here is a man who did all he possibly could with a lot of power, a whole lot of power. He did all he could to destroy. The life of Jesus Christ as a little baby, but he could not. He did all he possibly could to destroy the Christmas narrative. He had a lot of power, but he could not. This story, in fact, is a picture of our world today. It's a picture of what actually goes on in 2022 and beyond of groups of people, when it comes to the Christmas narrative of all kinds of responses. And in this postmodern era, where people think they've come up with new thoughts and new ideas, this hostility that came against Jesus Christ as a little boy, you think that there would have been a welcoming committee for the Son of God. You think that there would have been all kinds of celebration. But at the birth of Jesus, the rulers tried to kill Him. And John chapter one, verse 11 says, He came to His own and His own did not receive Him. Herod is a bloodthirsty, cruel, and vindictive side of the world system where the Saviour, Jesus Christ, is maligned, hated, and spat upon. Christmas for some this season is an offence and people become hostile to the very mention of the name Jesus Christ. They oppose the truth of Jesus Christ and they want to do all they possibly can to erase Christ, out of Christmas. It shouldn't be in public life. We should banish the word Christmas from the classroom. The word Christmas should not be mentioned in any public setting. Young people, it wasn't that long ago when you could drive down the streets of your local council and the council had manger scenes. In this day and age, a couple of globes, some nice lights. Why? So that nobody gets offended. This hostility towards Christianity, towards Jesus Christ, let's remove Him from society. But when Herod died, Jesus lives on. They will come. They will go. And like Herod, Many have power, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We will come, we will go, and He will always live on. Herod represents the hostility towards Christianity. He represents... That spirit that exists in our world today, all Christmas should be is a holiday. And they change the phrase around what we say around Christmas. And instead of saying Merry Christmas, say something else because the word Christ is in there. Let's change the name of the city Christchurch to something else because it's got the name Christ in it and this hostility that existed 2000 years ago. Let me say to you, Herod has many grandchildren. But Christ Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord, the only true great King lives on today as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And no matter what persecution comes, He rules. He reigns with all authority. I'm not talking about an aggressive nature today. What I'm talking about is a God who loves humanity even though they rejected Him, He was still willing to give His life. I went for curry the other night. And I like a good curry. Can I have a good amen? It's reflected in my weight. (laughs) Too much of it that is. Allison said to me, Brad, you eat good food, but you eat too much of the good food. <laughs> and the other night, Allison, my son Wade and I, I wanted a good curry. You can't, it's very difficult to find really good curry. If you live in the Shire, you've kind of got to go to other areas. So we went to this area which I would say, you know, has uh, lots of different religions and so on. And, um, and man, I'm enjoying my roti. i got my mango pickle. Somebody say amen. It's, it's just like, on like Donkey Kong. I'm having a good time. And in the background of this cafe, guess what I could hear? Beautiful Christmas carols. Not just the Christmas carols that sing about a man in a red suit, although they're nice, but Christmas carols celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here I was in a part of Sydney and in that cafe were people from all kinds of different faiths. yet there were carols that were playing. So I thought, this is what I do every year at Christmas. Excuse me, sir. Could you tell the manager that my family and I are having such a wonderful time eating your curry tonight. But part of the reason why we're enjoying it is we love the Christmas carols being played in your cafe. Could you please go to your manager and tell him what a beautiful atmosphere we're in. Come on, we gotta exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Herod, this hostile spirit, is doing all he can to kill Christmas. But Jesus Christ, it's our turn, it's our generation to exalt his name and to lift him up, excuse me, to declare his goodness. Let's keep going or else I'm going to get very fired up. (laughs) There was a hostile spirit. Not only was there a hostile spirit at the birth of Jesus, there was also an indifferent spirit. The definition of the word indifferent means to uh, be aloof, uh, to be uh, detached, to be disinterested. A little bit like when a wife talks to a husband and she says, are you actually listening to me? Pardon? (laughs) Watch this. Herod calls the scribes, He calls those with knowledge and he asks them the question, Where is the king of the Jews to be born? They knew the exact answer. In fact, what they quoted was from the book of Mark in Bethlehem, least, ruler will arise who will shepherd my people, etc. etc. The scribes and the teachers of the law represent the indifferent. They knew all the facts, but they did nothing. They, in fact, told Herod to, uh, to the point of exact detail of where Jesus was to be born, the Messiah, but they cared nothing to investigate it themselves. Here's the sad fact this question was asked of these religious leaders in Jerusalem. From Jerusalem to Bethlehem is just under. 11 kilometres. Here's the Messiah down the road. Yet they had an indifferent spirit. These men had the knowledge, but their hearts were never moved. Christmas will cause people to have a hostile spirit towards Christianity, but it also brings out those who have an indifferent spirit. They have knowledge. They have understanding. They can in fact tell you some detail about Christ and His birth, yet their hearts are unmoved. Last but not least, because it is a shorter service today, hostile indifferent, but then you get the third group who know how to worship. Bible says that wise men came from the East. These wise men, if I could have, uh, Craig, if you could come up, please, that'd be great. It's the final group. See, we think we live in this age where new ways, new thoughts, new ideas. These three groups, were here 2,000 years ago and they exist today. They come along and they ask the question, where is the King of Jews? How do we find Him? How do we get to Him? And Allison said so beautifully this morning, when they found baby Jesus in a manger, they bowed down and they worshipped Him. They bow down and they worship. There are those who will be hostile. There are those who are indifferent. But then there are those who will bow down and worship Him. And the Bible says that they presented three gifts. They presented gold, frankincense. Come on, Anne. Come on, Sunday school people, help me now. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is fit for a king. These wise men had an understanding that this baby is no ordinary child. He is the king. And they presented, the Bible says, from their treasure treasure chest, gold, which is fitting for a king. They then presented, number two, come on, gold, Frankincense. Frankincense was used in the Old Testament to anoint and to inaugurate a priest for priestly service. They recognised that this child, yes, he's a king, but he's also my high priest. That is, he's my mediator between God and humanity. He represents me. He stands in the gap. He intercedes on my behalf. He is my High Priest. And they presented to Jesus, excuse me, I should have a drink. I had too much Biltong last night. <laughs> Gold, frankincense and myrrh. Myrrh, unusual. Because myrrh was used in Bible times to embalm a dead body. They recognised Him as King. They recognised Him as their priests, but they also recognised that He is the only child ever born, destined to die. Gold, frankincense and myrrh. Three responses, three different ways people in 2022 will respond to Jesus. Some will always be hostile. Some will always be indifferent. But then there are those who know how to worship Him. You'll see these responses in a single family. You've seen it at your university and you'll see it at your workplace. But as I read Matthew chapter 2, one fact strikes me above all others, Everybody in the story, all had the same basic information. But only one group chose to worship Him. Can we worship Jesus this morning? Can we honour our Lord and Saviour this morning and present from our hearts a gift fit for a king? Gold, frankincense, and moo. We recognise Him as King, we recognise Him as our mediator, but we are so thankful for His death on the cross. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Jesus, Saviour of the world. Can you say Amen? Can we give the Lord a hand of praise in the house this morning? Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Can I say one last thing? One last thing, is that okay? The information provokes a response. All of humanity, the information provokes a response. Let me say that again. All of humanity, this information provokes a response, hostile, indifferent, or worship. Today, as you've heard this message, you have been presented with the information, facts from the Word of God about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some will be hostile, some will be indifferent, unresponsive, aloof, or your heart can be moved to worship the King of Kings. This is what we're gonna do. In a moment, we're gonna bring our service to a close. We've got a big night tonight, lots happening. It's gonna be phenomenal. (laughs) But the most important part of today and this Christmas is of those three categories, where do we fit? You have an opportunity today to allow your heart, come on church, stay with me, to allow your heart to be shifted and to be moved to a place of worship. There are people that are here today that once their response was hostile. But when they came to a true knowledge of the love of our God, their hearts were melted and they moved and they were aligned and repositioned to a place called worship. There are people that are in this auditorium today who were indifferent. They heard the message. They were told Bible stories. They understand what Christmas Day is all about, but their hearts will never move. But then one day, one day, something shifted and moved and they realised, I know where my heart is. I can't be unresponsive to this message. I need to open up my heart. And then there are those, on the first time ever, they ever heard this message, they understood and they realised, Jesus is my King, I worship You. All the saints and elders bow before His throne. Amen. My question to you, this Christmas, Would you open up your heart to Jesus? Would you open up your heart to the King and allow Him to love you, to heal you, to restore you and to set you free? He is the King that has all power, but the difference with this King is He longs to love you and serve you. That's our King Jesus. Can we bow our heads? Close our eyes. I'm gonna pray a prayer, it's a simple prayer that invites Jesus Christ, the very Son of God to come into our lives. I'm gonna ask everybody across the auditorium to pray this after me. Some of you are praying it for the first time or you did a long time ago, but you're returning to the love of God. Why don't you say this after me? Dear Jesus Christ, I believe in You. Come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Saviour, and be my friend. I receive Your forgiveness. I receive Your love. I receive Your complete acceptance. I'm now set free from my past. I'm now a child of God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, If you've never prayed that prayer before, or you did a long, there's somebody here today, come on Holy Spirit, there's somebody here today who prayed that prayer a long time ago, you moved away. But God's saying, come home, I love you. If that's you today, if you've never prayed or opened up your heart to Jesus before, you did a long time ago, On the count of three, would you just lift up your hand nice and high? I'd love the opportunity to pray for you today. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Lift it up. I want to pray. I want to pray for you today. It's time to come home to the love of God. Come on, don't fight today. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to restore you. He wants to set you free. In Jesus' mighty Name, lift it up nice and high. I'd love the opportunity to pray for you today in this Christmas season. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus, lift it up. I wanna pray for you today. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Father, we thank You for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You for His love and His grace and His mercy. We honour You, Jesus. We bless You, we love You, we adore You. In Jesus' wonderful Name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen, Amen. Amen. Do you love Him today? Come on, is He good? He's good. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.